0: Hey, good morning. And uh, I want to I wanna start this way. Find somebody close to you and tell them one thing you are grateful for. You can yell at them if you need to. You don't have to, like, scoot over by them. We are in a time of social distancing. So find somebody quickly. Tell them one thing you're grateful for. Go. Just one. One. All right, now when you finish that, which you should be finished, this is getting out of control, I'll tell you what, too many things to be grateful for. After you finish that, I want you to look at that same person and tell them, I'm glad that you were here this morning so that I could tell you that. And one last time, tell them, I'm glad you were here so that you could worship the Lord together with us. We lost some vigor there. Apparently, we're not glad that people are here to worship the Lord. I don't know. We're just glad. Hey, we, uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts today, chapters 5 and chapter 6. If you want to be finding that or flipping over to the Bible app, uh, if you're online, get your Bible out. It's good. Comment. Uh, engage with us. And um, if, you're, if this is your first time back in the building with us, we're going to remind you at loveshowville.com slash I'm back, no apostrophes. There's a quick survey that you can help us a ton just to help us to know that uh, how things are going, what that looks like, how we can continue to, to gather in a, a safe way. So... Um, while you find that, let me kind of catch you up where we are in the middle of this series on discipleship uh, that we'll be on today, and then we'll finish next week. So um, in this uh, series, we've been looking at our discipleship pathway, uh, ultimately, right, with the goal of asking, where are you and what's your next step? And so we started a few weeks ago with the idea of what it meant to be in the crowd, right, in the crowd, and. Uh, we talked about that, and and then last week we talked about what it means to commit to being a part of a congregation, this congregation specifically, and we talked a lot. Like it was, it was. Those aren't the funnest sermons for preachers, right? Uh, this, these are truth conversations, and we talked about what it means and what it looks like, and the value of committing to the local church. And today, uh, we're going to talk about what it means to step into community. And uh, you know, community is this tricky one because, uh, in some ways, we feel like this should be in front of committing to a congregation on uh, a discipleship pathway. Don't you just want people to be a part? And we want friendships and relationships, and that's true. But we're going to talk about how that only flows out of our commitment to the local church, and, and why that's true today. Okay, and so we're going to be on this community square uh, where our mission becomes serving others. So. Really, these first two, right? They're kind of self-focused, and now we're pushing out into uh, what the mission God would have for us to be is in serving others. And uh, our mindset becomes one of becoming more disciplined, growing in our faith, becoming more consistent right, is our motivation in, in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. So that's uh, been what we've been doing with this series. We've done something a little different that I want to talk about for just a minute. Um, in, in each of these series or sermons uh, in this series, we've looked at two different texts. We've compared some, some people in Scripture, and we have done this because uh, we want to look at people that are faced with similar decisions that end up making different choices, And we do that in hopes that uh, it can become uh, a way for us to kind of filter through and think about where we are and the decisions we're making because here's the reality, right? Our faith grows, our faith grows in these small decisions, small everyday decisions of obedience. It's the everyday moments of life uh, where we have an opportunity to follow Jesus or not, to obey him or not, that actually determine whether or not our faith grows, a lot of times we talk about the mountaintop experiences, we, we, and, and, and the Lord can use those. We talk about these moments where we just know that we know that we know, and, and the Lord uses those. But our faith becomes consistent. It really grows when we learn in those everyday moments to step into those, those steps of obedience. So uh, that's why we've, we've done this. And so the, the first week we talked about the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, and, and that initial calling out of the crowd, uh, the rich young ruler walked away sad, and Zacchaeus uh, changed his life completely. Right? He, he stepped in. We talked last week about Nathaniel versus the crowds of people. Nathaniel ended up sticking with the Lord. He committed. He was all in. And the crowds, they followed him for a little while, but as soon as it wasn't uh, um, good for them, as soon as it wasn't fulfilling them, they, they walked away. And today uh, we're going to compare the stories of Ananias and Sapphira and Stephen. Last week, we talked a lot about commitment, but how do we develop the discipline it takes to stay true to that commitment, right? So if you were here last week, or if you were online, or if you were here and now you're online, however it goes, you might have thought, man, I really need to commit to being a part of a local church. Like, I understand why I want to do that. And then life happens, right? How do we stick with that commitment? And that's a huge part of why we need community. So before we read these two stories, uh, I want to give us a quick overview of the comparison. Both Ananias and Sapphira and Stephen want to be a part of this new community of believers that they're calling the church. And at the end of the story, both of them end up dead. But their deaths are quite different. Ananias and Sapphira die unexpectedly, and people quickly move on from them and their relationship. Stephen, however, dies with hope, and people pause and mourn deeply over his loss. And in response, people take this movement of following Christ global, and the world is literally changed forever. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that if Stephen didn't die the way he died, we don't know if the gospel would have come to us. The whole plan might have been different. So how could the differences in these stories that we're going to read today change our view? Right, because that's what we got to get to. It's got to be applied to us. How does it change our view of this community of believers that He's called us to be a part of, right here at Christ Community Church? That's our prayer and that's our mission as we read these texts. So let's read them together and pray for our time in the Word. First in Acts five, beginning in verse one, it says, "But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However." He kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people, but to God. And when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead. And a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, why did you sell the land for this price? Did you sell the land for this price? Pardon me. Yes, she said, for that price. And then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. And when the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. And then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. Then if you would flip over to Acts 6, beginning in verse 1 there, the story of Stephen's beginning. In those days, the disciples were increasing in number. There arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Well, this proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. And they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Father, we thank you for your word. Spirit, we ask that you would help us to understand it today. That you would speak to our hearts. And that you would call us into a different kind of community. A community that seeks to serve others a community that seeks to be led by your Spirit. Jesus, we're so thankful that you made a way for all these things through your death and resurrection. So we trust you and pray these things in your name. Amen. It's my goal today that you would value and desire being engaged in a community group here at Christ Community. And with that, some of you just checked out. With all that we have going on in our world, I understand, right, that that could be a tall task. But I'm just asking, whether you're here or if you're online, would you be open to what the Spirit might be leading you to this morning? And if you're already engaged in a community group, have no fear. There's going to be some challenges to, to sharpen our understanding of what the Lord does in our lives through biblical community so that our commitment to it won't be shaken. Here's the greatest misconception. The greatest misconception, I believe, about community, biblical community, is just that it's just the act of, of forming meaningful spiritual relationships. That's all it is. And if I've done that, I don't need to keep doing that. I've got my people. I can engage my people when I need my people. And yet, time and time again, I've heard this from, from people that uh, are faithful in many ways. You know, it's just time for us to re-engage. We realize that we've been away, and it's just time for us to do that. And while I appreciate that, like, that's a good thing. I want to celebrate that. The other, so I'm grateful for that, right? That might have been what I said to whoever was sitting close to me. But, but it reveals something deeper. It reveals that somewhere inside of you, it may be deep, but somewhere inside of you, there was this idea that you only needed to engage when you thought you needed it. There's this idea that you were still in control of the spiritual formation process in your life. Uh, this weekend, I finally got around to finishing a project that I started a long time ago. So if you've been to our house in recent weeks, you might have come and realized and, or seen uh, this ugly tree half dug out and wondered, what's that for? That's because Blake starts projects and doesn't finish them, finish them Okay. <laughs> And so uh, there was this tree that was like sitting in our front landscape. And I decided I was going to move it a few weeks ago. And so I dig, dig around and I started to try and find all the roots. And people were like, are you crazy? Have you ever tried to move a tree? And I'm like, <laughs> we got this. And then it sat there for weeks. And uh, finally, yesterday, I, I finally got this tree moved. And, and part of getting this tree moved was getting to the tap root some of you know what the taproot is, right? It's this big root in the middle that kind of like goes down instead of out to the side. And and you've either got to dig all the way down underneath it and get it, or you've got to break it to, to see this tree move. And so um, yesterday, it was like, I finally got around it. I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to get this. And so like, we just start rocking the tree. <laughs> you know, it's great. Like, you want a tree to fall on you. Right? And there's no, there's no weird ending to this story, but it was probably a really fun sight to see us doing this. And finally, we hear the snap, right? We hear the snap, and the taproot's broken. We, like, lumber the tree, like, five feet. That's all I wanted to move it, five feet over. And we plant it, and we hope that it lives. And I tell that story because I think it helps us to, to remember and to realize that being buried deep in, in biblical community is our taproot, Right? Like We are rooted in Christ, but the thing that really holds us in the ground, the thing that keeps us from being shaken, the thing that keeps us from being moved is, is being buried deep in biblical community. It is what gives us life. It, it keeps us from being easily shaken and moved about. And if we're out of that soil for too long, right, if I were to have pulled that tree out last night and just left it sitting there for a couple of days, it's guaranteed to die. And so we needed to get it back in the ground. We needed to feed it. We needed to bury it deep in that community. And so we think about that as it relates to our lives. And it's like, how do I, like, I, how do I make sure that I'm consistently in good soil? And if, if that's true, and if we already are like, man, I really need that. I know that I need it. If that's true, why is it so hard for us to make and keep the commitment of being in a community group or something like it? Right? Like, I understand there's other expressions. And I think that's where our stories today can can help us as we look closely at their relationship to the Holy Spirit. Look back with me, if you would, in chapter 5, verse 3. It says, Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back? part of the proceeds of the land. So we see that Ananias was lying to the Spirit. That's what Peter exposes. And then in verse 9, we skip down and we've got Sapphira, the wife, who comes along. And and Peter asks her, why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. So Ananias and Sapphira, they they lied and and tested the Holy Spirit. And, And immediately, I think for most of us, we're like, well, I would never want to do that. I'm like, that's not me, Blake. Does he, like, should I even be worried about this? Let's think about their story a little bit. Ananias and Sapphira have been on the fringe of this this new, exciting community of believers called the church, and and as they are, they, they want to be a part of it. They could see that this group of people were serving one another and and they were making great sacrifices to meet each other's needs and and to stay together. It was something that they really wanted to be a part of. And so you can almost hear the conversation when Luke includes the words with his wife's knowledge in verse 2. The pillow talk. Honey, I love what those Christ followers are doing. It's so cool how they help people out and serve one another. We need some friends like that, don't you think? Right, everybody's selling stuff to help people out. You think we should too? Should we get in on this? Like, should we be part of that community? We've got to do something, right? And then, as they think about selling this property, they get a little scared. They think about what they're giving up. Maybe we should sell it, but not give too much. I mean, we don't want to do anything extreme. We can give them some of it, and that'll be enough. Nobody else needs to know how much we sold the property for. Anyhow, that's our business. And what they didn't understand, right, that we can only see because of God's word, is that they were holding back. And what they were holding back, that was what was preventing them from truly being with others in community. You see, being in community for Ananias and Sapphira had nothing to do with what they were giving, instead, it had everything to do with what they weren't giving. That was keeping them from community. And the same is true for us. It's what we hide from others that holds us back from being with others. And that's hard for us to to grasp. That's hard for us to reconcile, to get around. Maybe we're a lot like Ananias and Sapphira. And our money is our money. But maybe it has nothing to do with finances. We haven't held back financially, but, but maybe we've held back our time. It's my time. It's my life. I will do the things that I want to do with my life. I might give enough to satisfy the people so that I can say that I go to Christ's community. I might give enough to to make them feel like I love them and I want to be a part. Maybe it's not even time. Maybe it's not that we've held back. But we know we've got leadership ability or people skills or any other kind of God-given talent. And, And the world has started to tell us those are your gifts. Steward those as you desire. I'll give enough of them to satisfy the people. And so Peter, being used by God in this moment, exposes them, and maybe he's exposing us when he says, You you have not lied to people, but to God. You see, so often we make decisions, we do things, we give, we serve to satisfy the people instead of to satisfy the Lord. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be a part of the community of believers, but it was their broken relationship with the Holy Spirit that prevented them from that. Let's look at Stephen on the other hand. In Acts 6, verse 3, it says, Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit. So in one, we have lying and... And testing and in the other word looking for somebody full of the spirit and this is affirmed then in verse 5 so they chose stephen a man full of faith and the holy spirit apparently somewhere between ananias and sapphira and the selecting of these servant leaders the community of believers had recognized the importance of the spirit and apparently stephen was full of said spirit and this changed everything about Stephen's interaction with the church. And it should change everything for us. Because when we begin hiding things about our lives from others, we're often attempting to hide it from the Holy Spirit. And that's God's presence among us. When we're hiding things from others, it's often an indication that we are devaluing the Spirit. We're, we're not giving Him credit for being God in us. Why is community hard to commit to? Community is hard to commit to because we often devalue the role of the Spirit in our lives. And yet, this is the good news of the gospel today. The Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, does not leave us alone while we learn how to live. He doesn't leave us alone. He won't let us sit in that and just be okay. You know, too often we think that the Spirit's role is to be a genie in a bottle, He is God, so he can do what he wants, and he certainly does things that are unexplainable at times, and praise God for it. But the Spirit's main role is to be the one who empowers you to live the new life that Christ has given to you. We so often celebrate new life in Christ. We, we celebrate the gospel, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and we mimic it in baptism, dying to our old self, being buried in the waters of baptism and, and raised to new life in Christ. And then after that, what happens? And that is when the Spirit fills us and empowers us to live this life that Christ has given to us. So how does he do that? There are many ways, but there are at least three that I want to mention this morning. First is that the Spirit gives life. He gives us life. Romans eight eleven says this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. Notice this doesn't say the Spirit will come and make your life a little better. It says you are dead and the Spirit of God makes you alive. He gives us life. Ananias and Sapphira serve as a reminder that if we don't have the Spirit, we don't have eternal life. Our spiritual bodies are still dead. And Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He says, In him you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. That's a phenomenal passage. We talk about how the Spirit gives us life. What could be more precious than that? And yet, Paul writes in Ephesians that the Spirit is just a down payment. There is yet more to come. What we have with the Holy Spirit is only part of what it will be like to live in the presence of the full triune God in eternity. So, how does that down payment continue to work in preparing us for that reality? The Spirit gives life, but the Spirit speaks truth. Spirit speaks truth. Jesus says this about the Spirit in John 16. And I think this is such an important reminder, especially in today's day and age, we expect God to just lavish blessing on us, and he does, but we also need to be reminded that he speaks truth. Beginning in verse 7, Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears he will also declare to you what is to come. In a world that struggles to value truth, is there any greater gift than to have one who speaks truth to you, living in you? Mm -hmm. Stephen, being full of the Spirit, became a truth teller in his day. In Acts chapter 6, we read the beginning of his story, and that was just the beginning you look down a couple of verses in verse 10 and the people in the city had become a little unruly, a little uncertain about this group of believers that was growing. And it says opposition arose and, and Stephen begin, becomes the one that stands up in verse 10. It says they were unable to stand up against his, of Stephen's, wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. And Stephen goes on in this moment to preach a sermon full of truth, convicting truth for those listening. And their response was less than optimal. They choose to stone him to death. Stephen is hoping to open their eyes to the truth. And, you know, many times we would look at it and say, I'm not sure he did, but in fact, he probably did. It was probably why they were responding as they did. You see, he'd spoken the truth, and they were unwilling to be changed by it. You know, in the same way, when you and I try to control our spiritual experience, When we take over as the speaker of truth in our lives, when we aren't allowing the Spirit to teach us God's truth through God's Word, we become our own source of truth. And that's a really scary proposition. On the other hand, when we, like Stephen, submit to the truth, the Spirit speaks to us and through us. And when that happens, we have this unexplainable grace for others. Stephen speaks and preaches truth, They choose to stone him. And as he's dying, we read this in verse 60 of Acts chapter 7. Stephen knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he died. The Spirit gives life. And it also speaks truth. And when that happens, we can live in grace. But there's one, uh, at least one more thing that we should notice about the Spirit that I think is so important for today. The Spirit flourishes in community. You know, we forget that this moment for Stephen was a result of what we read in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, when it says, "...so the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith." This was happening because they got together as a group, led by the Spirit, and figured out how to serve people effectively. Like they had a logistics meeting and said, man, for the sake of the gospel, we've got to do this well. And when that happened, the people said, I want to know more about what you're doing, including a group of priests who were converted. That's a testimony. And yet this wasn't the first time this had happened. The Spirit came into believers' lives for the first time in Acts chapter 2. And I want you to notice what preceded that in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived. They were all together in one place. Community coming together, and the Spirit comes. We read then about what happens at the end of that experience in Acts chapter 2, verses 40, verse 44, when it says, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. And just before Ananias and Sapphira, we read about this uncommon community in Acts 4.32, when it says, Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. You see, the Spirit flourishes in community. When we are not regularly in community, we're not only missing out on what God is doing, but we are putting ourselves at risk of blowing up. He says, say what? I want you to think of it this way. Let's say you're going to go buy a a good used car. All right? And you know that part of having a car is that that car's engine needs oil to run. That car is going to help you navigate life, move to whatever is next and, and the Holy Spirit is like that oil. It's keeping your motor running. It 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 is the thing that gives you life. Without your engine, without without oil, your engine's going to blow, right? But it's more than that, right? Let let's say you're you're now buying this used car. You narrow it down to two. One of them is this good-looking sports car. It's polished up. It has all the bells and whistles, heated leather seats, navigation, great wheels, whatever else is on your laundry list of things for your car. And then there's this other one. This car's in good shape, but it's just normal. No extras. Seems to be solid. And then the salesman comes out, and he hands you this record of regularly completed oil changes on the old reliable car. You think, oh, this is great. Like, this car is going like, to do the job for me. And you're thinking wonder if the sports car has the same. So you ask him, can I get that record on the sports car? And he explains, well, previous owner, you know, didn't really keep those records, but it, it looks like everything's okay. Which car are you buying? Now, let me ask you to apply that to your life. When you're looking for Christ followers to model your life after, when you're thinking about being a healthy follower of Christ, and do you want to be the one that maybe they've done the maintenance? Maybe when they thought something was wrong, they took it to the shop. Or do you want to be that one, right, Like, and I, I'm telling you, I make fun of this people in terms of cars. I'm not the guy that keeps my maintenance records, but I wish I was. Do you want to be the ones, like, I mean, I know that they're in the Word. I know that they're in community with other believers. I know that that they're being sharpened week in and week out. You see, the Spirit flourishes in community. And you flourish when you're regularly engaging with the Spirit in a community group of believers because that's where the Spirit does his work. So, application, and I'll be done. Find a group you love to serve. Find a group you love to serve. You see, there's something that that stands out, one more thing that stands out in the stories of Ananias and Sapphira and Stephen, and it's how the two of them approach this community of believers. In fact, to me, this stood out as the biggest difference between the two. Ananias and Sapphira, their approach to it was, whatever we can do so that we can be a part we want to be edified, we want to be encouraged, we want to be engaged. So whatever we can do to be a part. But Stephen, full of the Spirit, his entrance, his engagement into the community was whatever I can do to serve. If I need to feed the widows, I'll feed the widows. However I can help, I'll do it, whatever it is, I'm in. And I think from that, we can make the application that looking for a group of believers to be with week in week out is not about what you can get from it but about what you can do to serve within it so let me talk to three groups of people for application and we'll be done if you're not in a group today my encouragement to you is this as you try and find one go in looking for whether or not you can serve the people it's really that simple if you can find a way to get in where you fit in, if you can find a way to bring some food, if you can find a way to send a prayer and encouragement, if you can find somebody that you can say, man, I can really encourage them in their walk, you've found your group. And I guarantee you that as you do that, as you engage yourself in that, good things will happen, the Spirit will work, and you will find yourself growing in Christ. Very practically, you can find a list of our groups at loveshovel.com community groups and if you need help finding or connecting to one of those, let me encourage you to go to loveshow.com connect, and we will help you just note in that box that you're trying to get into a community group. I also want to encourage you with this. Kenny is walking with several people that are looking to start a new group in 2021. And so those are going to be coming for those of you that would like to be a part of helping to start something new. But what if you're already in a group, second, second group of people? I want to challenge you to to think about serving the people in your group by talking about logistics. It sounds silly. It's really interesting. There's a new book called Leading Small Groups That Thrive by a guy named Ryan Hartwig and some others. And they did this research study. And they said, of all the things that we learned, the thing that surprised us the most was this. Groups that focused more time on discussing logistics showed a greater contribution to each other's spiritual growth. And they said, what we realized and what hit us was this, that the hardest part of being in community together is just being together, like figuring out how to be together. Whether we're serving together, whether we're eating together, whether we're dealing with our kids together, whether we're doing whatever together, if we will spend time talking about the logistics of that, it will give us opportunities. The Spirit will work and it will give us opportunities to grow in our faith. And so I would encourage you, If you're in a group, help your group stay focused on those things. Just being together invites and encourages the Spirit to work in your life. Practically, I would also say this. Make it your goal each week to not leave without having in mind a way that you will serve someone in your group. Like it's your own personal little mission inside there. Who who needs serve this week? What can I do to help someone in my group this week? Last but not least, I want to speak to a group of people, that as I've talked this morning, the Lord's burdened your heart, the Spirit has worked in your life, and there's somebody that's on your mind, that's coming to mind that you would love to help get connected. And I would encourage you not to ignore that, but to consider whether or not God is calling you to help others experience biblical community. If so, serve them. Invite them to serve with you. And contact Kenny about going through our training to be a community group leader. He's got a process that he's walking through with people that that the Lord is calling to do just this. And I would encourage you to, to seek him out and let's do that together. And if you're intimidated by that, let me say this. Being a community group leader is not about how you can counsel people or mentor them or teach them, although some of that will happen along the way. But the first priority is what we've just talked about. How can I serve these people? And as I serve them, then the Spirit can help fill in the gaps. I was speaking with uh, one of our elders here at Christ Community this week. And he asked me about how another family in the church was doing. He'd been praying for them and connecting with them. and I shared in general about what I knew, about where they were in life, and how they were hoping to connect with more people in our church family. And as I was having this conversation, you know how you can tell when somebody's thinking about something else? I do that a lot, so I can tell. And I watched as his eyes became kind of distant, right? And I could see him reflecting on what I shared. And then he said, you know, I needed that little reminder that they were looking for for more relationships. He said, my life seems so full of relationships and people and it's easy for me to forget, in the midst of my life and the business of my life, that there are people in our church family that, that need friends, they need connection to God and to others. He said, "You know, the reality is, I may not need a relationship with them, but they need one with me. And together we'll seek the spirit of the Lord." He didn't know what we were preaching on. And I just ask, what if, Christ community, we all began to approach biblical community that way? I may not need a relationship with them, but what if they need one with me? You see, community helps us find consistent purpose. And when we have consistent purpose, man, discipline comes. Serving others comes. Commitment to the Lord comes. Because when we approach biblical community this way, it not only includes and serve others, it pushes us to that greater discipline because we have a greater purpose in our lives. We realize, maybe for the very first time, that the creator of the universe might want to use us. So what if, Christ's community, we all began to approach biblical community this way? I believe, I believe that if we did, we would see the Spirit flourish I believe we would see the Spirit move like we did in Acts 2 and Acts 4 and Acts 6, not only changing the people who were involved in the movement, but changing the world around them. And I ask, would you want to be a part of that? If so, find a group you love to serve and serve them with everything you've got. You've heard the next steps to to get into community today, but there's one more invitation as the band comes. Someone here today, you know, you might be experiencing the Spirit in a different way. As you've engaged our community of believers here this morning, if the Spirit of truth is, is speaking to you about your sin, about your need for a Savior, maybe as Sherry has said, you're hungering and thirsting for more of Jesus, then we would just invite you to give your life to Him. To believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, to make Him Lord of your life, as you realize that man only He can give you eternal life. The Spirit only comes through Jesus. When you have the Spirit, you will finally have someone helping you to live the life that Jesus intended for you to have. Maybe this morning you realize that You've tried all the other things. You've tried to make it better. You've tried to discipline yourself. And what you really need is Jesus and His Spirit. If you need to make that decision today, come and meet me here in the front. And we're going to sing and respond to the Lord as we always do, consistently, because we want to be rooted deep in God and in His community of the church. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for sending the Spirit. Spirit, we usually ask you to make us feel good, we ask you to make things better, to comfort us, and you are more than willing to do those things, but this morning we just want to ask and pray that you would convict us of truth, of our need for righteousness. Father, we just want to ask that you would draw us into biblical community through your spirit. That we would not see it as an add-on or something extra or something that we can engage when we need it, but that we would see it as the core, the thing that keeps us from being shaken. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being among us, for not leaving us alone in this journey of life. Lead us today as we respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen.